0: I think I literally watched my first Hong Kong movies because of Tarantino in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched City on Fire and Better Tomorrow and, you know, just like literally based on something I read, you know, like... For sure. So... (laughs) Also got the Tarantino bump. Yeah. yeah,
1: mine was because of the Hong Kong cinema class of I, that was at being, Hogwarts. Being, yeah, being taught in fucking <laughs> of all fucking places, dude. Again, this is why liberal arts Kyle schools.
0: To, dude. This is why
1: liberal arts schools need to stay healthy, so that uh, you know an old Jewish woman can teach a Hong Kong cinema <laughs> class at a Catholic yeah. university in River the Forest. I made out with Chris Doyle once. You know? Yeah, yeah. He tried to have a quickie with her in the class you know yeah (laughs) she said she said Chow Yun Fat was the best waltz she'd ever had you know right said he danced better than she said she finally understood his action once she danced with him in in the ballroom you know light on his feet the policeman isn't there to create disorder the policeman is there to preserve disorder gentlemen get the thing straight once and for all we clear the streets along his route deploy our men and create an impassable barrier a gauntlet, if you will. He won't have a chance. I challenge you to a duel. I'll tell
2: you the truth. This guy's starting to get online. my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> you want to crown him? Then
1: crown your ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them all the home. It's hot. It's hot out there. Let's, we don't walk out
2: there. very,
1: very, very
0: hot. Open fire. Hello, friends. Welcome to The Gauntlet. I am one of your hosts, Eric Marsh, and as always, I am here with... Ryan Saunders. And... Andrew Stasulas. The Gauntlet is a weekly double feature podcast in which one of the hosts selects a theme for the week, and the other two hosts select movies in response to that theme. And we watch them, and we think about them, and then we sit down in the Gauntlet studio... And talk about them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Sometimes, you know, uh, we're on topic. Sometimes we're off topic. Sometimes we take detours into snuff films. You know, on accident. (laughs) Whoops. Um, But this week, it was my topic. And I asked the guys to bring me their Heroes of the East. And specifically, films in the martial arts or kung fu tradition of Hong Kong and Taiwan and China and, and all that. And I, I didn't really give them too specific of parameters. I didn't want to be arguing over uh, the differences between wuxia and kung fu and, and all the sub-genres uh, within that. I just said, uh, you know, bring me bring me your heroes, preferably with, yeah, fists of fury or... or uh, Bayonets of
1: doom, you know, in <laughs> well, this he, case. You specifically
2: yeah. said no guns, but... I, well, yes, we can, well, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I sure,
1: heard no double Berettas, Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I
0: specifically said I want to see movies before the sort of, like, woo era you know, the 80s era, the sort of golden age, the urban sort of stage of, of Hong Kong cinema, right? With the dual wields and when martial arts gave way to bullet ballets. Yeah, exactly. And you know, everyone these days, they're all like John Wick this, Gun Fu this, you know? And and I wanted to take us take us back to not the OGs, but uh, you know, before that period, into some classic martial arts action because I love it. I know you guys love it. We're all big fans. And uh, I just wanted to have a good time with it this week and uh, keep my uh, Hong Kong cinema marathon uh, that I'm doing in my life uh, on a whim. Uh, Just going, you know, keep it going. And I got to say, great job. Yeah, I said no guns. But I think Andy's film uh, satisfies uh, more than, uh, you know, my requirements in in so many ways, as Mm -hmm. we will certainly discuss. Uh, It was an interesting double feature, two very different vibes. So I do appreciate that, that we get to see, uh, you know, the depth uh, a little bit here. Anyway, uh, let's bring the films out. Andy, you had the earlier of the two. Why don't you...
1: Come on in. With pleasure. I knew uh, right away what I was going to pick for this week. And yes, you know, when when Marsh had sort of laid out his uh, loose, very liberal parameters, there was a brief discussion about, about firearms. And I took it to, to really mean again, I think, what Marsh said, which is that sort of yeah, when things kind of started to drift into the 80s, a lot of the Hong Kong action cinema became so much more, you know, um, bullet related rather than fists and martial arts and hand to hand combat. Uh, so I knew that the film I was um, going to bring would maybe slightly buck up against that one specific area. But I did know that um, that the guns in the film, um, though they are fired, uh, they are also largely used in ways that might not even make a whole lot of sense when you really kind of think (laughs) about it. So I knew that it would certainly uh, be a fun one to to just just to toe that line. And now this was a film that I'd actually only seen half Um, previously. I'd I'd seen it halfway through. I had put it on. It was streaming. uh, I think on like Amazon Prime at some point. And I was just like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And it was just a day when I had something else going on. So I was like, i put a pin in this. I'm going to come back and finish it later. And overnight, uh, I don't know how they do things over there. It disappeared completely from the platform. Not to stream for free, not to rent, just gone. So uh, Lord knows what happened to it, but I was very bummed out because what I had seen, I was thoroughly enjoying. It's pretty bonkers. So when this topic came up, I was like, perfect. Get the boys on it. They'll find it. Cause I looked, it's not on Blu-ray. It's not on DVD. It is just, it was gone. And I, I, I was really, really bummed out that I had sort of like missed that opportunity. But This is why the gauntlet is so beautiful, because of the brave work that you two do to dig up and find those buried treasures, those (laughs) things which maybe other people cannot get their hands on. So the film that I selected is from arguably one of the greatest action directors of all time, the great Chang Che of that grand Wuxia tradition. The film is from 1976. Seven Man Army. Now this is a very interesting film. Uh, It takes place during the days leading up to the the, the Sino-Japanese War that would break out in 1937. It's set sort of right in the middle of the 1930s. I think in like 1933 when China and Japan were already starting to go to war over, uh, of course, Japan's uh, imperial desires, their, their ultimate goal to try to swallow up all of China. This film takes place during the what would come to be known as sort of like the Battle of the, the Great Wall of China when the Japanese were, were, were starting to, to filter down into China through. Uh, Mongolia and Manchuria. During the battle, the Japanese army, we are told, has sent 20,000 troops and 54 armored vehicles to, to sweep the Chinese Revolutionary Army, which is a little confusing—it's the the Republican Army of China—but at the time it was known as the the Revolutionary Army. But don't be confused; these these aren't uh, future PLA soldiers. They are proudly nationalist in in what they do at this particular point in time. Um, and the 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 Japanese pretty much wipe out the the Chinese defenders, all except for several men who find themselves at a fortress, a fortress smack dab in the middle of that Japanese advance. And so they do what great heroes of the East will do. They band together and they decide not one step further, Emperor Hirohito. You've got to get through us, we few men, first. And from there, they are be set upon by everything the Japanese and their Mongolian mercenaries can throw at our seven brave men. And uh, yes, there there certainly are, I'm sure you're wondering, like lots of guns and bombs and tanks and artillery being, being you know, um, just sort of like thrown at these guys, but... Uh, you would you would probably be quite surprised to know that most of the fights simply uh, would sort of grind down into what I I think you can only call now bayonet foo as basically all these battles wind up hand to hand where where one man will wade into literally hundreds of Japanese extras and use his rifle uh, not to uh, not to shoot but to slash and stab and hack and parry and thrust. And boy, oh boy, the scale of this thing is quite impressive. It is a big, bloody, blustery affair. Um, and I think it's, you know, part of the reason why I also wanted to bring it to the table because, I, you know, Cheng Che, I think, is is well noted for being this, this great, you know, wuxia director. But he's also... As his career would would go on, he was sort of the bridge, I think, between the the two modes that you were sort of describing. You know, of the the martial arts and the wuxia films of the sixties and seventies, and then you know the predominantly heroic bloodshed mode that John Woo and Ringo Lam and Choi Hark would would take and and run with in the in the eighties. And I think this film, interestingly enough is a a bridge between those two styles or those two approaches. And I think that's what I, I thought we could have a lot of fun with today because it's got great martial arts, but it also does feature so many of those awesome things like sacrifice and honor and a few people going out in a total blaze of glory. So... Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun picking apart all the, the bloodshed in, in this one, heroic or otherwise. Um, yeah, that is Seven Man Army.
0: Thank you very
2: much. Ryan, why don't you tell us what you brought? Sure. I didn't really have a strategy when picking a film in terms of seeking something out in particular. There is such a wealth of films in this genre that are all so appealing <laughs> when, when scrolling through them and trying to decide what I wanted to take a look at. I've seen a lot and I know that there is so much more. That's the, th- the beauty of Hong Kong cinema. Be- before we started recording, Marsh had mentioned that It's just something I always wonder if I'm going to get tired of this, and I never do, and that's the case. So I I, I was excited when you announced the prompt because the first thing I thought was like, great, can't wait to just go look for something I haven't seen because there's just so many gaps. It was a massive industry. And the film I chose was partially inspired because of Andy's pick. I, I had it on my short list. It was one I was really seriously considering. And then when I saw that Andy's film... Was primarily based on with with weapons, with sword play, with that specific type of martial art. I thought it would be interesting too to pick a film that I knew was specifically highlighting sword play and downplaying hand to hand physical combat, and instead focusing on like the grace and sport and speed of using various weapons. So the film I I did end up selecting is called. Odd Couple, from 1979, directed by Lau Kar Wing, who also stars in the film, alongside Sammo Hung. This film was produced by a production company that the two of them had formed at the time. They only made, I think, maybe two or three films under that production company before they kind of split off and did some other things. But at the time, it was seen as, you know, a big collaborative project between the two of them. And then because of that, this film ends up being a showcase for both of them and their abilities twofold because that is the fun part of the design of this film. The actual plot of the film has Sammo Hung as the king of sabers and Lau Kar Wing as the king of spears, two master martial arts masters uh, of their respective weapons. Because actually, I should note, the film does have a very funny beginning where it, it shows us, okay, there are 18 traditional weapons of Chinese martial arts, and this film is going to focus on two of them, the spear and the saber. Like We're going to give you a whole deep dive. And the first thing I thought was, I kind of wish that they made, and maybe there are films that do specifically focus on those other weapons, but it would have been really nice if the two of them had just like kept making variations on this movie with the different weapons uh, to showcase <laughs> them. It would have been a nice treat. But so this film, we have the spear and the saber. And... Both of these kings regularly meet at a sacred site, um, I think it's annually, and they host a duel between the two of them. It's always a duel that takes place in a set amount of time, and always seems to end in a draw. Neither of them is able to fully successfully defeat the other. And it does have that odd couple energy, you know, you can tell these guys really do love each other. They do love coming back every year to fight, but they're always really grumpy about it. They think, If I only had one, a little bit more time, I would have finally gotten you. But these kings are aging, and they decide maybe the next best course of action would be for each of them to bring a pupil under their wings to teach them their traditional sword play, and then have them go at it again in the same sacred space. And that's what they do. They decide to meet 10 years later after they've successfully tutored their pupils. Now, the funny thing about this film is the pupils are also played by Samo Hung and Lao Kar Wing. And we have a funny variation where old Sammo Hung, the king of sabers, is teaching young Lao Kar Wing in the art of saber fighting. And then we have the old Lao Kar Wing, the king of spears, teaching the young Sammo Hung the art of spear fighting. And then all of those combinations that are probably firing off in your mind uh, all become possible, with the exception of a young Sammo Hung fighting an old Sammo Hung. They they weren't able to pull that off, but they do have <laughs> the four of them in single rooms at, at the same time in some really spirited and 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 inspired moments. I was gonna say not for lack of trying, not you know, for lack but. <laughs> of trying. Yes, and um, and that's really it in terms of you know what the actual plot of this film is. It is full of unbelievable martial arts the stunts on display are constantly topping each other it is a whirlwind of physical activity let me tell you what um it's also extremely funny and it is full of that wonderful broad hong kong comedy that might not be everybody's you know flavor of comedy but It was mine, this go around. This film gets exceptionally silly. It is full of mugging. It is full of goofy voices. It is full of lots of really funny pratfalls and other various sound and image gags. This film is a playhouse full of dangerous stunts and joyful comedy. I loved it. I had a great time with this odd couple. Um, and I'm excited to hear what, what you both thought as well. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, you know, I'll get, I'll get out with it.
0: You know, I hadn't seen these films and I loved these films. What a week. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, you know, where to start? I mean, I think it's funny, of course, that it's like, oh, what are what are the connections between these films? Well, like all these people knew each other and worked together, yeah. you know? So like <laughs> there's that element. I mean, Chang Che being such a legend. I mean, we should point out, of course. Lao Kar-Wing, director of The Odd Couple, is the younger brother of Lao Kar-Lung. And they both worked under Chang. Um, Lao Kar-Lung famously, you know, did the choreography for One-Armed Swordsman and stuff like that. Um, and they all worked for the Shaws. <laughs> yeah, they all worked for the Shaws until later. You know, that is an interesting thing. Also, that is like the bridge between all this is Carl Maka, who produced The Odd Couple, Right after this movie would do uh, Cinema City, which produced Better Tomorrow, which produced all the Ringo Lamb movie. It produced, you know, everything, all that shit. Um, The Bridge, you know, it's all here. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean... All these people knew each other, uh, and one really funny thing I found out. You know, we haven't done uh, too many uh, martial arts movies on the pod, but there's a direct connection to one that we did do, which is The Stranger and the Gunfighter. Yeah. The spaghetti western uh, was choreographed by Lau Kar Wing. No kidding. Yes, they sent him on assignment. It was the Shaws being like. Go get him, you know, go to Europe, apply the trade, you know. Um, and that was part of his sort of like, you know, bringing up, you know, because he was sort of living in the in the shadow of his brother and working for his brother and with him, you know. They collabed a lot and they brought, you know, that real knowledge of weapons you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that family specifically has a connection all the way back to, like, classic martial arts kung fu people in real life you know like you can trace the lao family's lineage to like the character jet li plays in once upon a time in china like wang feihun Whoa.
2: yeah well yeah did you not know that well i yeah i knew that they like had studied under almost folkloric heroes of martial arts
0: yeah so their dad studied under one of wang feihun's disciples so they're like just like you know, two genera, three generations, two steps, two steps removed from like guys that folk tales are written about in right. terms of their kung fu, and so the Lao's in particular brought like actual, insane actual knowledge. Of this kind of stuff, weapons, mm. the stances. I mean, they were at the forefront of like elevating that in terms of um, you know, being realistic, quote unquote, even though of course they would all admit, yes, it's a matter of where the camera is and it's all fake, but it's all based in real shit, you know? So that's a part of it. And that's what I love, you know, just like the the saber spear setup. I was I was immediately just like, ah, oh, this is great, you know, and I think there is, you know, throughout, like, a lot of these movies, pretty much what you're describing, Ryan, if you think about it, like, Wow, Carlung made Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, a movie that just shows off the pole, right. you know? So, yeah. I think there's others out there. Um, and they would style entire movies on just, like, specific, oh, yeah. you know, styles, right?
2: Yeah, and I think that one of the reasons I like Odd Couple so much is because it delivers on all of the things you expect from movies like this But it's doubled, so it's just double the pleasure all the time. Because (laughs) one of my favorite things in martial arts films is the pupil-master relationship and those training sequences. And because this film is so obsessed with the detail of the specific style of fighting between a saber and a spear, there is so much time dedicated to learning how one moves and what the best practices are and it's so nice because that's yeah that's the kind of stuff i always really enjoy watching in a martial arts film and i was so excited once the film started cross-cutting between the two because you just get twice as much you get twice as much training as you would in a regular film and, and sometimes it's sped up twice as fast <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but yes yeah, so, I mean, it, it fits in then knowing that of course there's that great lineage of the the sifu and pupil relationship that was in, you know, Laukar Wing's actual life, um, of course, he would treat it with such reverence and then joy and a silliness uh, as he does in The Odd Couple.
1: Well, and, you know, it's not to say that that isn't uh, entirely absent from Seven Man Army, because, you know, I think they've, they've sort of, um, you know, translated that pupil-master relationship to a military hierarchy, because all the soldiers throughout the film, and, and, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, at various points, we also get little bits of their backstories, you know, like what brought them here, some of which are... Actual, yeah, actual, like... Kung Fu Masters. Right. Yeah. And and like just scenes you would think just lifted straight out of more traditional like wuxia films. But what I'm also getting at is that you know there is a scene later in the film where in between one of the, the you know, several of the battles, I guess you could say, the, the action sequences, you know, they do have a sequence where they break down the, the proper technique for their bayonet foo. And all of them do line up and start kind of running through the drills and they're reciting the moves and... <laughs> And we will see that come to fruition. Their 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 training pay off throughout Throughout the
0: film. Well, in that sense too, you know, there's also like in a lot of the flashbacks, there's military training, so it's also like the same thing. I mean, even one guy is like extremely reverent of his commanding officer, you know, and there's that interaction they have at the gun range in his flashback. Oh, so yeah. there, yeah, you know, he's even extending right the idea of the training session too. 1930s yeah
1: yeah i mean i think because that's the the sort of idea for chang che in this film and and his screenwriter his his like longtime collaborator ni Kwang. i hope i'm pronouncing that name right just also got to get that probably out for all of our our you know um our our listeners who might be more familiar with the 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 languages that are being spoken in these films we're we're probably going to be butchering a lot of a lot of names this week. And we got the, not the full
0: experience, but we got the dual experience of the Mandarin film and the Cantonese film as well. Mm -hmm. So we have that duality going on, right? Yeah.
1: But again, I I think that's like what Chang Che is doing here, you know, and it's interesting that you did bring up um, the, the, the sort of like spaghetti, wuxia hybrid we watched earlier, because this one is another really interesting hybrid, which is, why I was sort of drawn to it because he's he they're they're taking a lot of the the structure and principles of the like you know martial arts film but trying to to you know put this kind of like war epic over it you know create this kind of hybrid between between the two to yes make a war film but also make a martial arts action extravaganza to to sort of like Yes, bring these 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 other like genres together, a
2: a mashup, if you will. I did really love the flashback structure of Seven Man Army, especially since the transitions are, you know, exactly what you'd expect. Uh, in a film that's full of flashbacks, I love that the image blurs and it feels like you're swimming through memory, and you've got the harp music that plays every time we dissolve and enter into the past. That was that was very appealing. In general, the the audio in both of these films is, is quite nice. I, I one of the reasons I love martial arts films so much is because it almost becomes a, a wonderful white noise. The, just all the sound effects, the sounds of all of these swords clanging against each other, the sounds of fists punching into meat.
1: And also just punching air. I mean, I love yeah. that, you mm-hmm. know, like when guys are are training and, you know, there's, there's always that sound of, you know of like like of just like wind you know as yeah. people are sort punching of cloth in wind yeah you know? like
2: punching so furiously yeah they you know, they're breaking the sound barrier mm-hmm. yeah that is a that's a soundboard i'll never get tired of
0: yeah and and really ryan more than white noise perhaps they're like opera uh sure. especially as featured in both films both films do have a story element uh well, I guess Odd Couple has a, a choreography, a sort of a fight scene that's a mock opera. And in uh, Seven Man Army, we get the uh, flashbacks for Pan, uh, who in his, you know, former life was basically a, an opera slave, you know. Uh, and there's, like, wonderful uh, you know stuff we see of him, like, flipping around on, on the stage. And then it's like, oh shit, he's in the trenches. You know.
1: And I think, again, that's for, for people who might not know, I think think uh, an Im- an important element for these films to reference considering that you know d- directly in the case of of Sammo Hung like so many of those great martial arts movie stars would get their start in like Peking Opera and specifically like making those kinds of productions and then saying hey we should get on this movie thing, you know?
0: In fact, uh, I read an interview with Lao Kar Wing, uh, and he was very funny. And he, he basically said that, you know, Samo, of course, was always a great, you know, sort of like. Uh, opera you know it, beings trained in the opera he was so so good at moving but it was after he met the Laos that he became a good fighter uh. <laughs> he, he started took, he started like took you know uh took credit for it uh which is very funny that reminds me of a totally random uh thing I, well, it's not totally random but uh a thing i came across that i i don't think i knew but i learned that like the one of the big moments in the history of of Hong Kong martial arts was the sand pebbles the Robert Wise movie and the stunt person on that film held training sessions for Hong Kong guys in the 60s and that was like ultimately one of the like core foundations uh, of the stunt work that would be carried out further so the wow. sand pebbles uh, apparently
2: Go back, love, go back and look movie. at
0: that one. Yeah, go back and look at that. Because yeah. apparently uh they had all those guys working on it. And so uh thought that was interesting. That's interesting. great. I, I love that movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, you mentioning that you know Samo could really move, but then he learned how to fight when he met Laukar Wing. But boy, oh boy, can that guy move. I mean, just I was wondering while watching these films how we would speak about these fight sequences in great detail because it's almost indescribable because so (laughs) much of it is just watching. It feels like if they had were just slightly off, they'd get whacked with a pretty blunt piece of metal, you know, that there could be some serious injury. In, In all of these fights, the precision and the way that they move is just exceptional in both films but i mean really sammo i mean what a force to be reckoned with look at that guy go and i don't think i had seen him in anything this early at least featured so prominently i'm so used to his 80s 90s stuff
0: and this is a classic case of guys who've been doing like stunt work and side roles for for like a decade going like look at us,
1: motherfuckers. Yeah. You
0: know, we're not just, like, some fourth guy in a fight or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, we're stars. Oh, man. Yeah. they
1: honed and, their craft.
0: And I think, yeah, they really do assert themselves. And it really is, yeah, just, like, this celebration of their skills—it's uh, really just about martial arts mm-hmm. uh, and and that sort of like those sort of virtues, you know. And then on the flip side, uh, right? We have Chang, sort of like you know, uh, violent and disturbing uh, sort of mishmash of of whatever it is and you know like (laughs) of course the the stars you know like they're amazing but one thing that's so funny is like the odd couple so concentrated on just like two incredible fighters that once you get into some of the broader uh, and wide shots of uh, you know what's going on in Seven Man Army like there's a lot of clowns out there too there's there's just some like real buffoon work out there because there's just too many guys to like handle I mean these movies were made fast two yeah um and it's like there's like a hundred guys on screen and i caught oh. a couple oh you yeah. know couple sure. blowing it but that's sure. like entertaining in its own right it is yeah it oh is. definitely,
2: definitely. <laughs> i mean it, it weirdly it took me a little bit to get on the wavelength of seven man army because it does start in war film mode it does not start in martial arts mode and you know, being an audience member of the time and being more open to these nationalist stories and myths, right? You probably would have felt the weight right from the beginning, and I didn't. And I was surprised <laughs> watching it, these, like, large-scale battles. I was I was very, very bored at the beginning. And then once it kicked into gear, I was like, great. You know, I was with it, and I was having a really good time. But I, I do agree with you, Marsh, and I don't know if you were referring... To this type of thing in particular, but when it was just gunplay, and it was like large crowd work, I didn't feel like the passion was there. I didn't feel the finesse and the kineticism. And then it was when, yeah, once martial arts was actually introduced to it, and we were getting the bayonet food, that's when, when we were honing in on particular individuals. That's when we were seeing the really amazing stuff. That still, yeah, of course, had hundreds of extras that were kind of goofing around the edges I mean, of the frame. Yeah, I mean, the, the, to me,
1: that's that's the thing right off the bat, though, that I, I think I, I I find impressive. Not necessarily the the sort of just generic kind of like here's a battle sequence, but again, just just looking at the the scope and the scale of this production and the fact that there are at times, I mean, like hundreds of extras like running around, you know, when they say like, oh, 20,000 soldiers are coming. Obviously they don't have 20,000, but they've got a, I mean, they have a shit load of extras and vehicles and everything like kind of getting into place. Um, and yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's like war movie, but, but again, to your point though, I think it's also that, you know, we don't know who any of these people are yet, right. you know, it is just two massive armies going at it. And we're also very far removed from, this time period and the history of it all. And and so, yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, this is just the prelude. This is all this is. It's just supposed to whittle us down to our seven heroes, to our seven exceptional people who we will get to know very intimately and care about greatly as the film goes on. But, yeah, it is just this kind of, like, big generic, you know, war thing at the beginning. And, again, I I think that's why I, I was so interested by it because... To my own, to my knowledge of what I've seen, I think this is the only war film Chang made or or most direct, I guess you could say, of like, you know, his approach to a war film. But yeah, it's, it's cool to see him kind of working in that mode. But it's also very clear that once he gets into the nitty gritty, once he gets into, here's a man fighting tooth and nail with his fists, with knives, with bayonets, that's when he really, like, comes alive as a director. You know, because most of the war sequences, the big battle stuff with machine guns and tanks, they're really just in these big, huge, like, long shots. He's not really getting in there with his camera. He's not cutting the way he's going to cut. And by by the end of the film when it's building to it's like absolute bloody crescendo i mean like he's in full peck and paw mode you know i mean he's cross-cutting between the battle and their memories and what they were doing in the past and linking their experiences to what they're going through you know he's he's going nuts you know and and yeah i think once he has people very specific people to focus on you know that's when the, the mastery of his filmmaking really displays itself. It's funny, too. I was thinking, you know, like, Chang is,
0: of course, I think, like, most known broadly as, like, the bloodiest of the directors of this era. And a lot of people attribute that to, like, him borrowing from the Chanbara film from Japan. So it's funny to see them, you know, him work this in reverse where it's like, you know, he kind of learned, like, the bloody, like, severed limb shit from Japanese films, and then he's turning it on the Japanese army in this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, in
1: particular, you oh, know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, too, like, going back to something you said earlier, like, just, the, the, again, the sheer amount of people that he will sometimes, like, have in his frames. Like, you're saying, like, boy, you know, the 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 ability for these great guys, like, you know, Sam, oh, to to be able to, like, not hurt each other. I mean, like, there were times when I was just, like, I was just like inhaling sharply because there'll be like one guy doing his bayonet foo and there are like, yes, 50 or 60 extras around him with bayonets and rifles and everyone is just swinging these things like crazy. And to your point, Marsh, yeah, there are some guys in there that probably aren't that coordinated. I was like, Oh, my God. Like these guys are throwing themselves at times like into just piles of mm-hmm. of extras with, with tanks r- riding around. You know, I mean, it's pretty like it's pretty like batshit at, 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 at moments. Yeah. Even just guys like hopping on and off tanks
0: like it's no big thing. I mean, those are serious stunts that are like pulled off just effortlessly in mm-hmm. this movie.
2: Right. I did think it was funny how there was – it seemed like a huge disconnect between some of the stuff that was traditional battle photography and then the actual martial arts because, yes, I really felt the stakes any time there were a group of dudes rushing at each other all swinging bayonets around. And then conversely, (laughs) you have a grenade being thrown or a shell being fired from the tank, and then it's just a bunch of guys – kind of jumping in the air and throwing their arms up going like (laughs) falling
0: back down there's there are yeah you could do like a super cut of just like the the grenade exploding japanese soldiers in this movie i mean it's like ballet it's awesome like (laughs) i never tire of of that kind of thing like the creative death like the joke death i mean it goes all the god it's because i show this in class but like the guy that dies in the great train robbery is incredible like Like he gets shot up on the train, and he's like, you know, it's so huge, (laughs) you know. And I like love that tradition in the Mm -hmm. cinema that even goes to like Godard, Made in USA, when Leu like runs around the room while dying or whatever. Like, I felt that, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, big
0: time. I I like that stuff.
1: I mean, I get, I get. Again, I think like Ryan is is so so like on point with with his comment about. You know the difficulty of describing the intricacies of you know so much of of what you're seeing in in terms of action because you know it it really is a uh, a thing to behold. I mean, it is just so um, unbelievable that they're you know at the height of this 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 era that we're, we're sort of talking about and looking at, just that they were just pumping these things out and they were doing it like it was nothing you know Dude, chang
0: especially was so prolific you know like mm-hmm. especially compared even to lao carlong or like king who it's like chang made like four times as many as many films as them like the same year he made this he also made a boxer rebellion film that has like a million extras in it i mean it's like who's got the
2: time you know right. but uh he did yeah uh, Apparently. Well, you know, it is something that I, I really did like about The Odd Couple, I guess, when thinking about the difficulties of describing some of these fights. Thankfully, The Odd Couple, most of the fights have a gag that relates, that kind of like has it stand out from some of the other ones. I think at the beginning, there's one of the central gags of an early fight is that someone is cutting grass in the anytime he falls, he's always grabbing more grass that he picks up, and then someone else in that instance has a huge saber that has all these rings on it, so that has like a new sound element to it. So we hear grass getting cut, these rings shaking around the metal on metal, and then. Because I should point out, too, the old versions of these kings, they have some amazing hair. That's something that really like stands out for them. And I believe it's Sammo has the extremely long goatee and Laukar Wing has the, the the braided eyebrows, yes. the very very long eyebrows, and at various points, right, there are so many close calls that do get sliced, and that's how it shows how close of a call it was so often. But the the odd couple is full of all those little details that give your eyes something to track. Yeah, all the close shaves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think it's I think it's so funny. Like this week, when you just sort of look at the. The double feature when you look at what we we brought because you know like you you were like hey bring me you know bring me martial arts films from from this time period in this region and 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 Ryan and I both went off into our little corners and and Ryan brings basically like a, a Jerry Lewis Wusha film right. and and I bring a, a war movie you know stuffed into a, a martial arts film right our our interests but the reason I say that is because you know as you as you're kind of getting into Ryan like what I loved about the Odd Couple was it's it's almost like cartoonish, over-the-top approach to like visual gags, sound, uh, and and just like comedic scenarios, slapstick mm-hmm. comedy. I mean, because it isn't just these two. There are so many characters that just suddenly like wander in <laughs> yeah. that that Whoa, that man. do. They just look like something like animated, you know, brought to life, you know? Like one of the assistants has this like crazy patchy hair that's just all these random little like tufts of like spiked
0: hair and i believe he's called according to our subtitles uh master stupid yeah master oh,
2: stupid. i thought mine said big stupid but oh, yeah big stupid big yeah big stupid, yeah, stupid would, <laughs> yeah, i guess big he's
0: stupid. not a master of anything really no, no. but
2: I, yeah, yeah i also like have no idea how to describe his hair because they kind of looked like it's like spiky yeah but they also look like if Hershey kisses were made out of licorice, that's how of yeah. what like dots his head.
1: They're just all these like very sparse like tufts of, of pointed hair. Yeah. I mean again, it's it's like it's so exaggerated. It's 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 cartoonish. I mean there's the other bad guy in one of the great um sequences of the film. There's this awesome like fight in a market, and he has the that ridiculous like handlebar mustache, but also like a handlebar goatee yeah. un- underneath, <laughs> you know, just like painted on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so over the top. I mean you you can't help but
0: but love it I I knew we were in for a good time when like within 10 minutes a guy was like you know against his will wearing a watermelon for a hat in the middle of a fight and like (laughs) knives are just getting like stuck into it you know yeah. I was like damn this movie fucking rips you know yeah
2: and I love how (laughs) this movie was willing to like keep taking it a step further because that is such a great visual gag all of those knives going into that watermelon that that dude is wearing at a helmet and then the benevolent Samo is like, I'm not gonna actually kill you with all of these knives, but this shows you how careful you need to be. Like, look how close I can be. And then one of the that dude's uh like uh Cretans is like one of his like tufts trips and falls and smashes all of those knives into the <laughs> boss's head and they have to cart him away. <laughs>
0: 好<笑> <別再進了, 啊>, <笑> <啊, 啊, 啊, 笑>
2: it does seem like he maybe lives and just will be permanently damaged uh by that incident which i thought was kind of funny too but yeah would not love to have a crown of knives uh on my head that would be a pretty precarious situation
0: You know, one thing that was also, like, when I took a step back and I was, like, thinking about these movies, it was cracking me up how schematic the story structures are, because they're such just, like, martial arts brain, right? It's like... Think about the, the, like how these movies proceed, especially like *The Odd Couple*. It's because it's everything's doubled, right? Everything's mm-hmm. paired, so every sequence repeats once with the different characters. And it's like, all right, now we have to recruit. Okay, now we have to train. Okay, now they have to get real world experience. Okay, now they fight the duel. That's the movie. And it just doubles up and just drives toward that inevitable conclusion. And it's so obvious that, of course, everything that's good about the movie has nothing to do with, like, that. It's the movement. It's the fighting. It's the gags. You know, that's why we're watching it. And I think in in Seven Man Army, it's, you know, he's doing trickier stuff with the flashbacks, but it's ultimately this siege film. And it's going to systematically go into the past of every single main character like you just know it's coming but i think he does it in an interesting way. Like he delays some, mm-hmm. you know, towards like the end. And I found that really interesting. But again, the whole time you're like, all right, when are we getting this guy's flashback? Yeah. You know, it is very schematic because everything is just putting you in position for, you know, the charge, the, the charge on the yeah. fortress or, you know, the Mongolian mercenary attack, you know, the mid, uh, sort of like point of the movie, which I want to point out, uh, talk about hair, uh, when the Mongolian mercenaries show up and they've got the braid tied around the front, yes. I was like, you want me to do that? You know, yeah. and <laughs> It's, I was it's like, a strong look. <laughs> yeah. It and it's certainly a, is. <laughs> and it's especially a strong look coming from Gordon Liu as one of the Mongolian mercenaries. Wow. Talk about uh, just playing the fourth, vi- you know, the fourth yeah. villain. And f- I mean, he is featured, but it's before
1: Shaolin. It's before mm. he blew up. You know, yeah. before he would get a guest starring credit. But we did get a <laughs> we did get a guest starring credit in in The Odd Couple. We had guest starring Dean Shek who uh more people might remember from a better tomorrow 2. I mean he made a bunch of films but but that's what I I know him the most from uh again bridging the gap between the woocha and the heroic bloodshed right. and John Woo. Dean Sheck plays uh, one of
2: the the crime guys in uh better tomorrow 2. Mm. I do love what you were saying Marsh how both of these films have very clear expectations set up at the beginning of them like there are rules and you just uh can get extremely comfortable with both of them because you know like this is what's next eventually I will return to flashback I will see what one of these guys was up to before he got here and it was funny having that anticipation and you know getting to know some of these guys and thinking like okay eventually we're gonna see what he was up to I wonder where that's gonna go and then the funniest one for me was i see this guy and i'm like i wonder what his backstory is and then we get his backstory and he's like i joined the army because i was exceptionally shitty to my wife and i thought (laughs) i really gotta just like straighten up here Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) that was wild i was not expecting that detour at all
1: (laughs) yeah but again i think you know it's like the cool thing about the flashbacks is uh, as you sort of pointed out marsh that that he's he's conscious about like when they're 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 arriving like when they're coming and and they're often like rooted in something that that guy is going through at that particular time. you know it isn't just that moment where they're all sitting around the the campfire or the lunch table or whatever and and each guy goes around and has that moment of telling his story, which you'd see in so many like, American, you know, World War II films. Like even in fucking saving Private Ryan, they all gotta sit around and have that moment. That's just a total break from the action. Mm-hmm. And while these flashbacks you could say are quote, also breaks from the action, they're they're sparse throughout the film. Oh, they yeah. don't all arrive at the same time. And and even then, Calling some of the flashbacks uh, breaks from action is is incredibly reductive because there's just more action in the flashbacks, you know? It's not a lull. It's just suddenly like, oh, let me show you why I hate the Japanese because they were, you know, (laughs) these thugs were were going through the streets and they were roughing people up and they, they killed my girlfriend. And so then I went and I killed a shitload of them with my bare hands. And that guy's backstory ends with him just being like, how do I kill more Japanese? And yeah. someone's like, I got just the job for you, right? Join like, the army, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. You know? they're, yeah, they're not all there for the same reasons. One guy's just a shitty gambler and, and threw his shirt at his wife or something, and
2: this other guy is totally bloodthirsty and just wants to kill. Yeah, I love the difference between the, like, market extortion scenes in these movies because that one in seven man army is uh, ruthless and you know it's enough to give you that like national fury of like yes we do need to defend the great wall from the japanese dear god and then in the odd couple i love how the mercenaries in or the extortionists in in that sequence are just like stomping on oranges and fruit. (laughs)
0: They're just just squeezing
2: oranges. (laughs) (laughs) In the market that I had a really nice detail where you hear like one woman announce, like, oh come get some fine herbs to help with your urinary tract. You know, Mm. this movie is full of little one liners like that too that happened in the background that I that I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. And it's also crucial, you know, for Seven Man Army to set up that uh, two members of the crew know Kung Fu, you mm-hmm. know, and that's important because it's also like, well, how can they really fend off 20,000 guys? Well, they have a lot of grenades. That's very <laughs> helpful. But two of them, folks, they've been trained. Oh, you yeah. Know? And that's what we learn with uh, Chu, played by Chi Quan Chun and uh, Hey played by the great Fusheng. We get their flashbacks, and both, you know, just are like, yeah, Mongols or Japanese are just like killing everyone in their village, and so they seek, you know, uh, the counsel of a, of a master to train them to kill more japanese right and we get that i mean total classic you know uh yeah like you said sort of like hate these people let's go yeah because <laughs>
1: <You know>? <laughs> I, I i gotta again point out you know just to, for, to help i guess people visualize this a little bit you know you're you're imagining the setup where here's a a a modern you know for the time mechanized mobile army with tanks and machine guns and planes and artillery and and all the tools all the the tools of industrialized warfare the battles will 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 go and and you kind of almost have to laugh a little bit but then just be like yeah this fucking rocks because what'll essentially happen is you know the japanese will be like pressing forward or the mongolians and and the first thing that'll happen is yes the machine guns will kick in the rifles will be shot but then there'll be a moment Where they kind of get a little like close, they get within like 10 yards and just guys literally just throw their guns down, you know, (laughs) like they just like stop shooting and either switch total hand to hand or everyone just decides let's just do this with bayonets, you know, and our heroes will sometimes be surrounded by by Japanese extras holding rifles. Who could end this very quickly? Very, very yeah. fast. Could, yeah. Just step in there. <laughs> yeah, could, even even Any at time. even at the risk you say of going like, well, what if he shot and he hit the other guy? You'd kind of yeah. go, yeah, but there's twenty thousand of us and there's you know seven of them. I think we could take. We're already getting creamed this
2: way. Why don't we? Yeah. Uh,
1: why don't we just sacrifice a couple guys? Everybody shoot at the same time. <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah, I was I was like back and forth on that effect for me because occasionally I wished it had like moved a bit more into Artifice, I thought that at least would have been interesting. I think it would have been really nice if these dudes with their bayonets could also fly around like a Busha film, you know, if they were like scaling the fort in a yeah. single jump, or they were I mean, running on walls, they get damn near got close. The five
0: venoms on the case, dude. Oh, you should have yeah. crossed it over. Yeah,
1: they get damn near close. There are a couple situations where they're like flipping over trenches and, and yeah. stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, because
0: yeah, especially again, it's all tied to their character, right? So it's the Peking Opera guy who, you know, in the climax is doing like crazy jumps <laughs> oh over God, yeah. uh, Japanese soldiers, and that again, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's great, and hey, I could use more of it too.
2: We all could. Sure, you know? sure. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your guys' opinion or just read on the character and odd couple of. Uh, I think it's like ro- uh, rock, master rocking, master rocking. Is the what? What am I missing? Is the gag that like rock and roll music is accompanying him? Like as he's well, kind of like disco. It's, more, it's music. like a beat you know yeah, it's like a disco right. beat but is it the joke is that why he's called like master rocking yeah yeah okay perhaps because he's rocking yeah
1: you know? yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. That was a guy at first where I thought, "Oh no, is this going to be too broad for me?" The comedy, and he was just so committed to that. That's Dean Check, ins- yeah, yeah. Oh, that was Dean Check. Okay, great. That's yeah. Guest starring Dean. Guest starring. Well, yeah, that's a hell of a. Yeah, because hell- like, okay, let's break. We
0: gotta break this down. He's being carried around, yeah, right, yeah. and he's this like dandy, you know. There's something going. He's like doing this weird high pitched voice, mm-hmm. and he's very,
1: he's very fucking weird. Yeah. And it's just like the vibe is like he's kind of going into this little like bar he's and, like a rich guy yeah and and he's just he's rude to people, you know yeah. he's just kind of a he's kind of a bad dude and he's got a bad crew and they're just kind of like bullies yeah but they stumble into the wrong uh the, the wrong you know bar patron uh twice again because it's doubled so he, yeah <laughs> he, master rocking gets his come up and twice. <laughs> The first one though is is amazing. Oh, yeah. The first one is so gross and nasty, so funny. Like
2: you know, it's it's Sam. No, it's not Samo first. It's um, no, I think it is Samo first, and then maybe it's old Samo in the second one, and maybe that's why we're mixing them up. I well, think again, that-
1: it's it's it's. There's so many like. There's like quadruples, really. There's not even yeah. like doubles. It's like quadruples, <laughs> but but like it climaxes basically with him. Oh, no, it's
2: Samo with the yolks, exactly with the eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking.
1: The, the fight, like cli- as they're like dismantling this bar and everybody's getting their ass kicked, it climaxes with him just getting like a dozen eggs like shoved into his mouth and and then like punched in the jaw right isn't that what happens Mm -hmm. like he like stuffs a a, a, an egg in its shell in his mouth and then like punches his jaw and he does it with like a dozen eggs and then there's a very long sequence where he is just like one at a time like just spitting out like egg yolks from these like broken eggs in his mouth it is so gross (laughs)
2: <laughs> i want a print of it to like frame and and have in the kitchen it is it's an amazing image of just that guy's head resting on the counter with six seven eight nine egg yolks All in front of him. That could have gone on forever. I would have really loved if he had (laughs) like 25 egg yolks in his mouth. Like way more eggs than were actually stuffed in there. That was an extremely funny gag. Again, you want to talk about like the the the
1: talent of all these people involved. Like Dean Sheck, he's got those eggs in his mouth and he doesn't break the yolks. No. They all come out, you know, perfectly intact yeah. as he like the table. We don't know how many the takes they well, do. Uh... There's
2: a, there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of cuts too, but yes. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's funny though, the Jerry Lewis connection, because that scene does remind me of that moment in The Ladies' Man when he's being fed, when Jerry's like in the high chair. Yeah, I mean, it's like... <laughs> Like the the, the the like martial arts is like well on
1: display in the Odd Couple, but I think like the the real like magic of the film to me is and, and what can set it apart from so many others again to me is this sort of like go for broke approach to the as you described it, the sort of like broad comedy mm-hmm. that that does like uh go very like beyond any semblance of like you know yes realism or whatever it's it's yeah. totally cinematic right they've they're creating gags you know and like that's that's really what the fights are often like built around it's like okay but ultimately we want to build to like this visual gag this this visual pun or yeah a guy getting like half of his mustache perfectly cut off you Mm -hmm. know like perfectly sheared off of his face
2: (laughs) yeah i think my favorite line of dialogue in the film is pretty early on one of the like king of the sabers fights when Um, a a guy kind of enters into town. This is the dude that's got like a bunch of rings on his blade and he's trying to be the tough guy and he's trying to like really prove himself. And he grabs another man and he says like, do you know who I am? And that guy goes, I don't even know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Like like it's that kind of energy throughout the whole movie. Well, I love that whole
1: opening sequence because just like the the joke is essentially that Sam Hung, who is the king of the sabres, is presented with this like honorary sign that says, you know, like saber king, you know, yeah. king of the saber. Uh-huh. And he's just kind of like, I got no use for this. So he gives it to like the local blacksmith, right? He's like, Well, you make great sabers, so really you're the king of the saber. And as a result, this man who has wandered into town that wants to fight the King of the Saber, the first thing he sees is the sign that says King of the Sabers. And so he just goes over and tries to like, just like cuts it in half. Yeah. yeah, He's trying to like kick the shit out of the the blacksmith. So you're the King of the Saber, huh? Like, and then another guy wanders into town that also wants to fight the King of the Saber. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he bumps into Sammo and he's like, have you seen the King of the Saber? And he points to the guy now sitting underneath the half cut sign that says King of the saber. And he's of course holding as Ryan described a saber. So basically Sammo just like creates this whole big, like, you know, chaotic melee, this big fight. And, and he is the King of the saber now just sitting there sort of watching it all, taking it all right, in.
0: Right. And that, you know, reminds me of, of another, another great scene in the movie, of course. Uh, when, when, when master rocking comes back with his quote unquote bodyguards and you know they're said to be these really fierce bodyguards but then someone slips in and is like well really they're they're op- they're opera guys
1: <laughs> and and so yeah. a very in joke for them you know yeah
0: absolutely and so like when the fight happens all of the score of the fight is the music of an opera, the clanging Mm -hmm. of the cymbals, so classic, and all their moves are synced up to the music, and it is kind of like physically revealed that these guys are just like jokers, you know? Uh, Because this is part of the, you know, the getting real world experience section of the film, right? And then, you know, Master Rocking shows up all bandaged up from the earlier fight and then gets owned again, (laughs) you know, in a callback. So uh, it's all just so creative. It's all just so fun.
2: Yeah, it's amazing, and it really draws your attention to the fact that the sound effects in these move in movies can often feel like music, or at least composition. You know, like it is something they're considering when they're designing these fights, and then the the sounds that go with them. It does have a nice rhythmic quality, and it can't even feel like opera if you're just like open to appreciating the sounds of fists punching the air. But yeah, mm-hmm. oh my god, amazing sequence. I love how like different instruments were attached to different objects like the stool i think was the the symbols very often and then like strings were other parts of of the body yeah that is a really inspired moment
0: and another inspired moment is (laughs) in seven man army when uh, they go to you know one of the <laughs> one of the soldiers, Jia goes to get his commander's severed head that had been placed on a tree by the Japanese and when he grabs it off the tree, the tree goes <laughs> just incredible stuff,
1: dude. I mean, it's such like a gruesome image of him being like, I'm gonna go drag, you know, get the severed head off of a tree, and then it climaxes, yeah, with a. <laughs> incredible, yeah. incredible. But yeah, I mean, dude, like, again, I gotta go back
0: to the Mongolian invaders, because that's also, I feel like, to me, a very obvious, like, oh, this is just like. A period film you know when you're fighting the mongol invaders well here they are in a japanese context and the funny part being of course yes it's gordon Liu, and johnny wang and brian lung aka beardy who's also in odd couple as the final boss mm. um, so there's like a little yeah little in jokes there cross references to all these other movies these guys playing the Mongolian, like o- I guess, officers of this little group. Yeah. Um. And mm. you know, again, it ties into the sort of systematic like development of each character, where one of the uh, one of our heroes has a sword hey, why is this guy carrying a sword? Yeah. I hope I hope the film answers that at some point, right? And it certainly does, because that's really like the middle centerpiece of the film is when the Mongolians attack and Gordon Liu is kind of like the featured, you know, saber master of, of all these guys. And it's him and, uh, what is it, Jan? Jan, Jan?
1: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. who was a member of the broadsword squad. Right, yes.
0: So, yeah, we get the broadsword versus saber battle in the middle of this, yes, 1930s war that we were waiting for. And it's, like, on top of the fortress, uh, and it's really good stuff, you know, of course. Like, Gordon Liu's going to elevate that
1: scene. uh, Yeah. You know, I I should point out, though, that, you know, obviously the the scenes in which, you know, yes, the seven guys are, are, you know, taking on the, the entire Japanese army with their bayonets... Stretches, you know, one's disbelief uh, to, to the near breaking point. But yeah. <laughs> it's not entirely historically inaccurate. Sure. The, the, the Chinese army at the time, you know, it's, it's often been pointed out that they were, they were very ill-equipped against the, the, the Japanese, at least at first in the early 1930s. And it was not uncommon to have entire units of Chinese soldiers armed only with... Like swords and and spears and and maybe some pistols. So, you know, I, I I don't think it's totally like this was just pure fantasy for them. Like they also were kind of like, well, that's also what happened. It was like that. And then the Japanese have a you know their their army had this very kind of like you know intense warrior mindset rooted in the samurai traditions like they were still rooted in that officers still carried katanas so i don't think oh yeah it's outside the realm of possibility that the japanese may have at times encountered chinese soldiers with swords and said like well fuck it let's do it old school let's let's go back to the warlord era this is the kind of honor that we're seeking now in an era which is quickly leaving this behind. You Didn't know? that also
0: happen like relatively recently? Like China, Pakistan, or China, India? India? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh there was just like a massive sword fight. Oh yeah.
1: And like machete fight
0: yeah. between all yeah. these these soldiers. Yeah, right? at the
1: disported like border, like they are regularly like just lining up and just being like, let's go at it with like batons and sticks and swords. I mean because if they all started shooting their weapons, yeah. like that would be war. But this, this is a, this is a battle. Yeah, this you is know? just like the movies. Yeah, this is
0: like a Chang Chan movie. I mean,
1: dude, you can. There's like YouTube like
2: videos of it. Like the soldiers will have their yeah. cameras out. Like in these moments, it's it's wild. You know, I will say when I was when I was saying like I wish the film delved a little more into artifice. One bit of artifice that I do really like in Seven Man Army is what I kind of jokingly referred to in my notes is like some of these guys just get boromir you know like Lord of the Rings when Boromir is just like taken down by like dozens of arrows um, but he mm-hmm. like keeps going there are moments in this movie where dudes just receive like an unbelievable amount of slicing and dicing all across their body but they just keep fighting you know oh, and yeah. eventually they go down but there are some standout moments of dudes just like every single one of their arteries has clearly been severed (laughs) like they have like bled out more than they possibly could and like they are just like still fighting for China like, and they will not fall.
0: I mean, real no or the vainglory of command hours, you know, in this movie. If oh, you yeah. remember the guy without the hands holding up the flag. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's basically like the end of this movie. I mean, these guys are getting like bayonets in the stomach so hard that it comes out the ba- their back. And then it's like ooh, okay, let's go, you know? A guy would,
1: like, like take his shirt off and then just, like, tie it around his waist, around the wound, and then just be like, let's do this, Yeah. 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 I love it, too, because often, like, when one of them does eventually, like, die or is finally overtaken, it's usually like this amazing shot where he'll be laying on the ground and like a perfect semicircle of like a dozen bayonets will like all enter him at the same time. Yeah.
0: It's like the most like crazy. I mean, geez, it's almost like robe grie, you know, it's masochism. Like at at a certain point, some of these (laughs) shots, I mean, it's like, yeah, They have these
1: open stomach wounds, and like 20 bayonets are going into it at the same time. (laughs) I mean, it's fucking grotesque. And they're like dying, they're dying smiling. I mean, yeah.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really is, like, you know, kind of spaghetti western-y,
2: you know, for oh, sure. I was thinking that, too. I kept thinking that the music really did sound more like a spaghetti western than I would expect, even from just a war film from, from China.
1: Yeah. And, I, I again, I think that's why, for me, like, as I, I said earlier in the intro, like, I see this—and and there were other films Chang made that, like, drifted into this, but, like— now watching this one in its entirety, like I see this as like the the beginning of like oh yeah heroic bloodshed. This is the next level right here. It's it's guys going down in an absolute like hail of of bullets, knives, bayonets, whatever, and it's that they will take so much punishment before they finally succumb. And it should be again no surprise that like his influences his influences were. You know, people as he said like Kurosawa he said how much I read an interview with him once where he was talking about Paw. like he loved Peckinpah and like this is basically the Wild Bunch the ending of the Wild Bunch you know it's mm-hmm. like him going into that mode of like let's get a group of guys and let's just see how much punishment they can take before they they succumb, before they're they are defeated,
0: all you know? while positively reinforcing each other and being very good brothers.
1: Yeah, yeah, camaraderie, like honor, and and also the idea of like bringing together people who like. Don't necessarily know each other, but like have a a common goal or a common cause in that moment. And, and again, like the, the editing in this film, like it is so at times like Peck and Paw esque. Like the 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 cross cutting, particularly like in the moments of of like sheer chaos. You know, you described the like the Great Peking Opera moment of of um, you know uh, the Odd Couple. But like, man, again, when I don't know if we already talked about it, but when like. That dude whose backstory was, you know, that we see earlier in a flashback that you know, he was part of this peaking opera uh, group or whatever, this opera company and and he goes through this whole performance and dance. when he is now, you know, in his like death drive moment, like he is flashing back to the performance. And his movements are, like, totally, like, synced up with his movements from the performance, you know? But it's, like, here's the artifice here now for him is, like, the reality. But also, still, it's all artifice and it's all reality, as Bud Yu would tell us. Man, it's just, I I just love it. And also, (laughs) like, even, like, earlier, I know, like, yes, like, the generic just sort of, like, war shit is kind of, like, whatever. But, like, man the the snap zoom transitions between certain shots i'm like so on, on board with that like snap zooming like out and snap zooming like in like right on a cut from like artillery firing to like an explosion going off like that extra like dynamism of that 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 movement like oh man it is so sick
2: and there's so much of that in the odd couple especially during the training sequences those are all almost snap zooms mm-hmm. going back and forth and then the, with these yeah match
0: cuts between the, the the dual stories are fucking insane in this movie I yeah. mean oh,
1: yeah. and often yeah punctuated with that mm-hmm. yeah you know it's it's I think that's the thing. It's like, it's sort of easy to look at this kind of genre filmmaking and just be like, well, it's just all about the martial arts. And like, they didn't have a ton of money and they're just pumping these things out. But it's like, nah, they were also like skilled technicians in a lot of these films, you know? Certainly there's some that like aren't nearly as good. But like when you've got good crews behind these things, like, man, these films are well constructed you know in their in their their production and their like post production i mean they they're putting as much choreography into the editing at times as they are like in front of the camera
2: yeah and i also think too one of the things when we were talking about seven man army with these dudes still fighting after getting you know dozens of bayonets in the belly that that does where odd couple kind of ends up especially when the the, the final boss shows up the old yellow dog now laughing bandit man who was like previously you know done in by the the pair of kings where he he holds scars on his face in his hand from previous encounters with the the saber and the spear and now he's like you know super pumped up he's been waiting his whole life to like finally get back at it he he captures the pupils because we think you know when the when the two pupils are finally going to have their duel when they finally going to meet they're kidnapped, and then we have to have the masters. Just like go and in *Rogue like, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> And the masters have to go and rescue them. But their their fight, when it is the the two kings going against their their old nemesis, who is now like much more skilled, that is what that fight feels like. They do seem like they're being bested. Uh, well, they, I mean, they are bested, and they are. There's a lot of blood <laughs> in that moment, and there's yeah. like not a lot of blood leading up to that in the film. No, and, and they
0: both are. If I correct me if I'm wrong, but they both are basically like they know they're gonna die. Yeah. And they're just like, let's go, right? I feel yeah. like that's like the vibe they sort of have when it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're old. You know, this guy's really strong, but also it's time for us to go. Yeah, you what know? are we gonna do? We got do? these, we're we got not these pupils
1: <laughs> We got these pupils now. I mean, it's it's like a it's kind of like a wild shift in tone because like it's suddenly for a movie yeah. that has been like very goofy throughout in, in all the fight sequences, even when a guy gets like, you know, knives driven through a watermelon into his skull and you know we can <laughs> presume he, he died of his wounds later on, like, it is suddenly like, yeah, into like the same kind of heroic bloodshed territory we're, we're talking about with Seven Man Army, it's like, they're taking a lot of punishment, they are bloody, they're spitting up blood, their their bellies are cut, their, their arms are cut, their faces are are just like, you know, starting to just get very sweaty and, and gory. I mean, like I, I was like not expecting that, that turn, you know, it's, it's like suddenly very like dramatic.
2: Yeah. And it still has that charm of that awesome, odd couple dynamic where they're still bickering and they're ragging each other in the midst of the battle. They're like, you go, like, I'll take care of this. Like you, you don't stand a chance. And both of them are just like, you know, buckets of blood falling out of their mouths as they're bickering with each other. But it's a beautiful thing because it's of course it's what's unspoken. They know, you know, they know what's what that it's they're near the end here, and they're still gonna keep going with their charade, but it's also an acknowledgement, like, God damn, I've loved fighting you every year. You know, like yeah, what I wouldn't give for like one more go-around at the sacred site, you and me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah I mean
1: again like the uh, like a transition more towards heroic bloodshed because it's like in that moment like in a John Woo movie it's like that's the moment that they tell each other I've loved you all my life like yeah. I've always loved you it's only ever been you you know <laughs> and and they have to also maintain their their pride and their their dignity and and basically like what the essence of that love is that that total like that that masculine love that they have for one another it's that like you were the best it's like no you were the best but their (laughs) way of saying you were the best is saying you were never as good as me you were always garbage you know yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) and yeah
0: like it's uh it's also then part of the, like, broader kind of, like, moral or, or fable aspect to the film where, uh, you know, part of the the reason they sort of make this agreement to, like, raise these pupils to fight is because they're like, well, between us, there's there's too much emotion, you know? And they basically kill themselves because they refuse to team up. yeah, I, On principle, too, of just being like, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're so fucking good at martial arts, you know, it could just be two on on this guy beardy you know it could just be two on that on that guy but they're like no i'll go right now you know and they keep trading off because they're too stubborn to fight together exactly so they died as they lived they died as they lived but also
1: we should point out that that They aren't necessarily beaten, I would say, fair and square. Oh,
0: definitely. Um, Because
1: prior to the the final boss, there's the sub bosses, the spies. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the the uh, the the four guys. You know, whose name all together translated means invincible. What was it? It was uh, Sky. What were the words? the four
2: guys it, yeah. one was
0: sky under nothing enemy equals invincible
2: yeah yeah and they all have translation
0: i'm sure but yeah. yeah no
2: i love i love when there's we've i think we've mentioned it before but like explanatory subtitles you know subtitles that explain you know okay we all know you know you foreign viewers aren't going to know like what how this adds up or what this means and they give us little parenthetical that says like this this means invincible
1: did did either of you guys when you were looking at those those four dudes like um especially in that moment uh think that like carpenter clearly had to have seen this because those are like the three elements like the same look they have the the hats that basically cover their entire face they've got the capes and again it's this almost like elemental Division between them. I was sure. like, "This is oh, this yeah. is fucking straight I mean, out he, of Big he, Trouble. In he's
0: China. On, on record as being a kung fu head. You know, he made the movie because he loved the movies. You know, in the
1: seventies, especially. So, I would imagine he might,
0: might have crossed his desk. Yeah. You know, because
2: like the look, the, the the design of those guys was just like the elements in uh, yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. But yeah, and then that's when it ends up when we do actually get a scene of all four of them." In the room together, and I thought they pulled it off really well. Yeah, because <laughs> I was just as good as you can. Happen, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Without VFX, doing dead
0: ringers. <laughs> no, really, because it's
1: impressive. Because there are a couple moments where, like you know, you get the kind of crisscross where mm-hmm. you know. The, the the young versus the old versions of them is flipped. And again, I was thinking like, they basically had to film a couple of these moments like fucking four times or something, you know? And they had to keep switching costumes and makeup because, yeah. you know, obviously they don't do it the same day. But like, again, like the doubling of the sequence when they did have to like cross over and suddenly have, you know, the master of, of one guy fighting the pupil of the other, like, They were definitely able to switch between all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean it was it was yeah, it was very impressive.
2: Yeah. And then yeah, I just fuck it. I love the final fight in the odd couple when the pupils then take the the big bad boss to the same site.
0: You know, they do they do something their their mentors would never. No,
2: no, yeah. Oh, so good. And I mean that I could have watched that sequence of the film. Go on. Similar with the eggs, I could have watched it just forever. Specifically, them. Oh, I actually have this mixed up. It's it's the subsequent battle. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah yeah the second there's like, climax. yeah, the there's second like four climax. climaxes in yeah. this movie there really are yeah well because eventually after they defeat the big bad with the use of magnets which is very funny then there is a battle between the two pupils they're like fuck it we're here like what would they love and then they decide like we should like stab our weapons into the graves of our masters and then like what goes on and what i could have watched for a full hour was the two of them having been separated from their weapons. Trying to grab them again, and then the other person interfering with that and constantly getting in the way from them of even getting to their weapons. That is like a very fun redirection of fighting. Is like not the actual weapons now colliding, but just stopping the other guy from getting to his weapon. And it's just so fresh. It's so inventive the whole time I could have watched it for an hour. Yeah. Doing
0: it on their graves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's so fucking awesome. Dude, and, it's uh, it's
1: it's their love scene. I mean it's like after all of that, then it's like here they are just like wrestling around on the ground in in front of their 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 master's grades i mean like it is just yeah it's that it's that final moment for them it's
2: another one for rivalry week Mm -hmm. yeah time yeah but yeah it is kind of like them falling in love because it's like sort of the birth of a new partnership at this point they've only just hung out in a jail cell and then watched their masters die defeated one dude together but yeah that that moment between the two of them fighting over the weapons that yeah that it felt like true love it felt like it was blossoming
1: and the love scene in Seven Man Army is, oh. is between, uh, you know, one man and a flag. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, the they, they say at a certain point in the film that, like, as long as the flag flies over the fortress... China is free essentially, right? And and you know, one of the characters, the great kung fu master of the group, like as he's like fighting the Japanese now, literally in front of the you know, the 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 Chinese flag at this point, you know, the 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 Republic of China, but right. eventually the the Taiwanese flag. That's right. And this film was shot in Taiwan, I yes. discovered. Um, So probably had extra meaning for the Taiwanese audiences as well. Um, You know, he's like basically like killed by, again, like a shitload of bayonets. And he kind of like freezes into his death pose, holding up the pole, carrying the flag. And he's just sort of like frozen there in place, dead, like making sure that that flag stays up. Like amazing, fully erect. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there is a, you know, to me, the group love scene in Seven Man Army oh, is man. the the sort of like Last Supper scene, mm-hmm. uh, which goes back to what Ryan was talking about earlier with Bye. Uh, where he's, you know, he reveals like, oh, I was this drunken louse, I was terrible. I bought my wife these rings, you know, and he confides in one of the soldiers, like, if I die, you know, take these rings to my wife, I feel so bad, you know. And when they're eating, you know, before the the day they're all <laughs> gonna basically perish, you know, every single one of the guys like goes to him one by one and is like, I got you covered, man. You know, no big deal. And he's getting embarrassed. Of course, he's like, God, now everyone knows I was like the worst person in the world or whatever. But all the dudes are like, oh man, it's cool. Got you. Like, I'll take the rings back. Right. And that becomes this like loaded meaning that's paid off in the end symbolically. But that to me was the moment of like, you know, all these guys loving each other and, and saying it but not saying it. And know? I'll give
1: you a great like through line again from like Peck and Paw to Che to Wu, specifically with that moment, right? Like again, knowing that that Che loves Peck and Paw and like clearly loves the Wild Bunch. That One of my favorite scenes in The Wild Bunch is a moment, like, right after this, this raid they did where they, like, stole a bunch of guns and got away. There's this amazing moment where they're all, you know, the Wild Bunch is all just kind of, like, sitting there in a wagon, kind of catching their breath after getting away from Robert Ryan and the posse. And one of them pulls out a bottle of whiskey, and he hands it to, you know, one of the other guys. Uh, you know, William Holden takes a swig and hands it to Borgnine, and Borgnine passes it to 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 Johnson, Ben Johnson, and in the middle of the whole group is Warren Oates, and he really wants that whiskey, and he just keeps kind of like reaching for it, and he doesn't get it, and another guy gets the bottle, and eventually it gets all the way to the last guy, and he just downs the rest of the whiskey, and then hands Warren Oates the empty bottle, you know, and Warren Oates is obviously, it's Warren Oates we're talking about here, no whiskey, he's just kind of like, thanks, thanks for nothing, and they all crack up, and they laugh, you know, and it's again, this kind of like bonding moment over one guy's you know embarrassment or whatever but again the whole point is that they're a group and then in A Better Tomorrow 2 there's a scene where again the, the this group are, are, are coming together and they're trying to bond are we a team and instead they, they're passing an orange back and forth and it's all at the expense of making fun of I think it's Leslie Jung who's like the young one in the group and it it's just this like bonding moment where you have all of them kind of laughing, but also knowing, you know, that they are all headed like one way, you know, it's, it's amazing.
0: It's, uh, and You know, famously John Woo got his start as an assistant to Chang. Yes. So, you know, the, the line is there. I, I love
1: that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I always see those moments and I'm always just like, God, what I wouldn't give to be in that group right then and there, you know? (laughs) I mean, it just, it gets me. I want to
0: be dying and holding hands with a man... Oh yeah! <laughs> right now, yeah. you know, with
1: with seven bayonets in my belly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I do. I want to mention what, what we have in, uh, which is at at a certain point in Seven Man Army, the the Japanese bring in the bombers, and three planes come in and and bomb the the tiny their tiny little fortress. Yes, yeah. uh, And Commander Wu, you know, the steadfast leader of this group, T Lung, uh,
1: yeah, T Lung, in a better tomorrow too.
0: It's all connected, dude. Yeah. With uh, Dean
1: Check, <laughs> and he,
2: you know, you sound like he,
0: Greg Turkington going from, <laughs> yeah,
1: I know, dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, he's been in the fortress, like looking out over the battlefield. So what, you know, when the when the smoke clears from this bombing. He just has like to, you know, tomato sauce blood <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming out of his eyeballs. Yeah. And he's fucking blind. And it just carries on. I mean, he he lives for the next like 15 minutes with just like bloody Chang Chan oh, yeah. face. He's like, at the
1: very end. I mean, there's an amazing moment where it's like him and the other like wounded guy by with yeah. the rings. Like they're the last two. And now they are just totally like inside the fortress, just like, here they come. They're gonna come through this door. And and Wu's just bandaged all over his face obviously and he just like turns to buy and he he he's like give me a rifle give me some grenades and then he's like which way's the door <laughs> you know and he just like lines him up with the door like that oh dude that is that is yeah. kingship right another
0: there. another tender death moment you know, we love to see it
1: good for the soul dude good for the soul great great week great movies i mean i
0: yeah i had uh i had a really good time yeah this week with these films
2: yeah i andy provided the bayonets i provided the sabers and the spears what do you provide marsh is there another school of martial arts we should study or become familiar with what would you recommend
0: well i mean i'm i'm no you know i love martial arts movies but i'm by no means an expert um and i already mentioned you know my favorite director lao Kar and i would say to any listener uh watch his films you know i think uh they're they're sort of just like pure pure in a way like odd couple is where it's like just about martial arts you know and i really love that about his films right i i teach my students uh, 36 Chambers of Shaolin because uh, it's a great fucking movie and they all love it you know and mm-hmm. what's not to love yeah, it's just like it's just a very warm and fun kind of cinema so I would say that of course I mean there's so many good ones I recently watched Dirty Ho and love that uh, but really yeah Eight Diagram Pole Fighter is a, is an all timer and it it's especially weird because it has a darker tone than most of his movies but but part of that is because Fu Shang from Seven Man Army died during the production of Pole Fighter. And they had to write his character out of the movie and continue the film. And it has a sadness and an anger uh, to it that you don't really see in his films. And then Gordon Liu became the main character, even though they were sort of supposed to split duties. Uh, but he, you know, there was like a tragic car accident. Um, and that, yeah, cr- crazy movie though. So they had to like, just remake this whole, you know, <laughs> reconceive this whole movie on the spot, and they did it, and it it's crazy, and there's so much pole fighting. He takes on so many guys with so many poles. Uh, you really have to to see it to believe it, you know. Hell yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks again. I had a blast. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it was my topic this week, but next week it is Andy's topic.
1: Mm-hmm. What's yeah. up, man? Well, you know, uh, for uh, for reasons I don't necessarily need to get into uh, too uh, in in too much detail, uh, financial issues, you know, they've <laughs> they've been they've been on the mind a lot lately, and I I don't think I am alone in this, you know. No, there's, no, you're there's, not. <laughs> there's uh, there's people all over the place that are are feeling it and seeing it, and uh, you know, building off of our Paranoia Week, our our. You know, at their wits' end. So, you know, I've just been sort of thinking about that a lot. And um, I thought, you know, it would be a great topic uh, to, to say, hey, let's go to the bank. So I'd like films next week dealing with banks or financial institutions. These people and these places that hold so much goddamn frustrating heartbreaking power over our lives. Where you want to go with it, how you want to, how you want to deliver it—that's uh, entirely up to you. But banks, slash financial institutions. Let's let's take it to the bank next week. Stocks going way up next week. Mm-hmm.
0: As, As always, buy <laughs> <Bye> the gauntlet. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Gauntlet Movies or send us an email at gauntletmoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <iranousing> <azioni> <bullied> <hakiki> <honorary> 就誰贏, i <laughs>